0: Happening this week on your favorite soap opera, it's time to
1: talk about all the daytime drama on Soap Central Live with Dan J. Kroll. Get ready for the latest soap news, scoops, and recaps. Now, here's Dan. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Soap Central Live. I'm your host, Dan Kroll, and we are back here live this week after a couple of weeks away for a first-of-its-kind program. It's the first-ever soap debate. Tonight's debate is sponsored by the League of Women Soapers, and while the politicians battle over taxes, foreign policies, and the economy, we're going to be discussing the issues that really matter to soap fans, scoops and spoilers, online fan wars, and which couples are the hottest. Joining me for today's debate is the author of the book Crimes Against Civility and the executive editor of Soaps In-Depth Magazine, Richard Sims. The questions for today's show were submitted online over the past week by you, the soap fans on the official Soap Central Live show page at SoapCentral.com slash radio, and also on our Twitter feed. There is still time today to submit additional questions if you have them or if something pops up into your mind. You can do so by continuing to go to SoapCentral.com slash radio and emailing your questions from there. You can tweet at Soap Central Live. Be sure to use the hashtag SoapDebate. That way we can keep track of all of the messages. Or you can also call in toll-free On our hotline, it's 866-472-5788. Again, that's 866-472-5788. The format of today's debate will consist of three segments, each lasting approximately 15 minutes, and they'll focus on domestic issues, foreign policy, and the economy. No, really they will you'll see there will also be a period of general questions and answers now we played a round of rock paper scissors to determine who would go first but neither richard nor i liked the results so we kept playing until our arms were tired and we were both happy so let's bring in richard sims richard welcome back to soap central live good evening everybody thanks for having me again are you ready to get started oh i'm
0: definitely ready you're going down
1: wonderful well as an Opportunity. Since I said we did play the rock paper scissors, you won, so you're going to have the chance to go first with your opening statement, Richard. Please, it's all yours. Well,
0: first of all, Dan, I have to say I'm a little bit disappointed in you right off the bat. You know, the the um, event is sponsored by the League of Women Soapsters. What is with your war on men? Men watch soap operas too, as evidenced by the fact that the two of us are. Basically the only people involved in this debate, there is no female candidate. So I think it's, I think it's a little unfair of you to be so open in your war on men. Uh, but tonight I think it's important that we discuss some of the topics that are very crucial to the sort of survival of the genre that we both love so much. It's been a, there's been a lot of fracturing of the audience, um, in large part, I think, because of the Internet and, uh, as we've discussed in the past, the anonymity that comes with the uh, ability to hide behind a screen name and sort of take cheap shots at actors, writers, producers, or or other soap fans, uh, that's, that's been a real detriment, I think, to the good time that we all have, like with this debate, it's, it's you know, it's all fun and games, and it's all, it's soap operas, it's something that we should all be enjoying, it's something that we really don't need to be nasty about, and uh, it's something that really, you know, as the internet shows, can bring us all together, we all have a good time. Uh, I think it's great that you have organized this, and I hope with all of my heart that as you feel yourself being pummeled by my wisdom, you are able to take it, you know, and like a man.
1: Well, first, uh, Richard, thank you for being here. Now, I take issue with your mention of the League of Women Soapers. That is a nonpartisan group, and to say that there is a war on men on my behalf, Richard, is malarkey, in my opinion. Um, I agree with you. There are a lot of issues that we need to discuss. Uh, many of them we have differing opinions on, but hopefully this will be a spirited debate where folks will be able to determine, you know, sort of where they want to get their information from. If they want to get it from someone who would perhaps rather be at an early bird buffet or someone like myself who is just up at all hours of the day and all hours of the night looking for the latest and greatest soap opera information. Uh, I have to say that your uh, attempts to attack the Internet for being a place where people can hide anonymously does, in fact, I think, uh, give a bad name to a portion of the soap audience. But you're focusing on the 1%. The 1% that gives soap fans a bad name. I would rather focus on the 99% of soap fans who truly love their soaps, who truly want to see them prosper and continue to be here for many, many, many years, just as they have in the past. So I'm actually looking forward very much to this debate. And if you are ready to get into some of the serious issues, we're going to start with domestic issues. Let's Richard? Go. When SoapCentral.com launched in 95 and when Soaps In-Depth published its first issue in 1997, there were 11 soaps on the air. There are now just four. Explain why you think that people should still care about soaps.
0: Oh, that's easy. I mean, it's, it's a genre that does what no other genre is able to do. It, it, can, it tells us continuous stories that allow us to get involved with the actual lives of the people uh, in in the various soap towns. It's also, you know, very... Um, let me use an example here. There was something that happened uh, on on one of our soaps recently that really sort of drove home to me how powerful the medium really is. On most primetime dramas, you have a situation where they're, you know, 55 minutes in, everybody solves the problem, they move on. With Soaps, you've got a situation where you can take as long as you want to tell the story, and you can actually sort of do this cool thing where viewers are left scratching their heads about a plot point and think, and, and, you know, they'll take to the Internet and, 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 or they'll talk to each other and they'll say, that doesn't even make sense. Why is this character doing this. And then, you know, flash forward a month or two months or or longer, and you can actually find out that what they did at the time that didn't make sense actually made total sense in the grand scheme of things. It's one of the reasons that I really try and encourage people when they're watching their soaps not to jump to conclusions, not to assume that things don't make sense, to sort of go on the journey and wait so that as the story unfolds, they, you know, all of the pieces come together. Now, sometimes we all know they don't necessarily all come together, and they, and they, you know, the, the writers really didn't know what the heck they were doing. But, but more often than not, if you're patient, the storyline actually pays off. There's no other medium that gives you, you know, that has a 40-year history, a 50-year history, a 30-year history, uh, as, as our soaps do, of five days a week being able to track families for generations—it's it's truly an American art form, and and I, I it can't be replaced by what they've attempted to do with you know reality shows and cheap shows, uh, you know the Chew, the Revolution, as that proved to be a failure. It's it's so original and it's so vital, and and I think while there may be problems with the genre, which I'm sure we'll discuss, it is so incredibly important that it survives uh, for, for for the long term.
1: I think that you've been looking at my notes because those are actually some of the things that I've come up with as well. Is The soap opera truly is an American art form. It's something that has been uh, adapted and used in other countries. But when you look at something, everything that when the soap discussion comes up, when it came to the cancellation of Guiding Light, there were generations of families who've tuned into soaps And, you know, you may find it sort of of hokey or homey to say this, but some of the things that go on today, we don't have those events that people truly gather around for. Soaps are something that have passed down sort of from generation to generation. People watch them together. There are uh, grandchildren who watch the shows with their grandparents or grandmother And you hear that maybe folks don't gather around the dinner table the way they they used to. And we hear that maybe that sort of falling apart is what's led to other social ills. And certainly soaps aren't maybe on par with some of the other things. But I think that something that's always come back to with soaps is that it's been a way to gather around and to sort of be part of a larger group. Particularly the Internet is as maligned as it is for having a negative aspect the Internet is also a great way for soap fans to come together to talk about what they love and in that process to have an inner social connection and talk about the characters that you like and certainly maybe the characters that you don't like. And I think that in addition to being informative, there are over the years so many stories of soaps informing fans about issues like breast cancer, uh, homosexuality, drug abuse, uh, all sorts of those things where people have gotten information. It's like the CDC even did a study a couple of years ago that showed that a lot of people get their firsthand information from soaps and it lets them sort of seek out their own information from uh, professionals. And again, this isn't just to put soaps on any sort of of pedestal to say that, uh, you know, without soaps there would be uh, great wrongs with society. But I do think that there are certain things that we have to hold on to because once they disappear, there's, really nothing that will replace them as, as richard was saying with reality television that's being put on the air because it's cheaper to produce and it's replacing our soaps you never really hear about people gathering around in a in a restaurant or in the dorm of their college to tune into the chew or the revolution i don't think anyone tuned in to see the revolution which is why they canceled the show after what a month or so on the air not even so that's I think that that's something to to, to keep in mind. And uh, Richard, there's a question that came through. I'm pulling a, for those of you out there. I'm pulling all of these questions from a hack. They've been broken down. So here's a question that came through just for for Richard. And the the person says, Richard, you've often said that soaps aren't edgy enough for today's audiences. What do you consider to be an edgy storyline, and what would be a storyline that would get people who've never watched a soap to want to tune in?
0: Well, those are two different questions. Um, First of all, I just want to go back and rebut a second from from what you were saying. I think the fact that – I think what you were saying is very true, and I also think it's reflective of a change in the soap audience that is part and parcel of the current problem the shows are having. We don't really – I don't think we hear a lot these days about – Say grandma and their grandchild watching soaps together, or mother and her daughter watching soaps together, because I think that our viewing patterns have changed so much, in large part because of you know uh, DVRs and 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 time shifting and things like that. So I don't know that we're seeing as much influence on the younger generation with their uh parents or grandparents viewing as we used to see. I think that's I think that's one of the reasons that, you know, we're seeing sort of a fall off in viewers. Because the younger viewers aren't being, you know, sort of mentored the way they once were. Um, As far as that question, I think I think edgy is not necessarily the right word. I think what I advocate for is Soap's being a little more, and and I sometimes get flamed when I say this, but I'm going to say it, a little more intelligent, you know, that they give the audience credit for being smart enough to know that, you know, for example, today's Young and the Restless. Ronan is a witness who is going to be called against Phyllis. He would not. We we grew up watching Law and Order. We know that Ronan would not allow be allowed to be hanging out in the courtroom with Phyllis before his testimony. Kevin and Kevin and Phyllis would not be allowed to have this interaction in the courtroom. Um, I I also think that Soaps would do themselves a really big favor if they kind of got out of the habit of feeling like they needed to tell stories in basically real time. Um, In other words, I think there's absolutely nothing wrong with you know sort of jumping forward in time, whether it's a day or two days or whatever, within an episode, um, once you get the audience trained for that, uh, I watch a lot of telenovelas, which do this on a regular basis. Uh, and it, it eliminates one of my biggest problems with General Hospital right now, which is General Hospital is in a way training its viewers not to feel like they have to watch every day because there's so much exposition. If you missed something, sure, there's nothing like actually seeing Kate and Sonny's wedding but if you missed it, they will endlessly recap it for days to come. And you don't see so much of that on, on telenovelas. They really, they make you watch every day. They, they do a little bit of recapping, but not much. So when I talk about edgier, what I really mean is that they need to sort of shuffle off some of the, uh, conceits of the genre that they've, that have existed from day one and, you know, tell more modern stories in a more modern way. It doesn't mean necessarily reinventing the wheel. It just sort of means, you know, checking the air pressure and making sure that we're not driving around on flats.
1: I think that something that soaps also need to do, and they don't need to be afraid to do, is to reach outside of the general soap community. As the World Turns had great success when they brought in Hogan Sheffer as head writer. Uh, I mean, I guess... This is this is for me as a a neutral standpoint as opposed to maybe someone who had a, a vested interest in a character that he may not have, have had a, a favor for. But I remember when it was announced that Hogan Shefford was coming in to head right as a world turns, there was a lot of concern because this was someone who, by his own admission, wasn't a soap fan, may not have even watched a soap and If you look at what happened as the world turns, not only did their ratings go up a bit and they won oodles and oodles of Emmys during his his time, but it was a totally different feel to the way that soap operas felt. And when you look at something like uh, even Guiding Light and and All My Children, Soaps That Are No Longer With Us, one of the problems that seemed to happen is when they had storylines that weren't working, they fired their head writer and they brought in other head writers who were from other shows who were fired. And, you know, there's been a, a lot of talk about why would you bring in, soap seemed to be the only job, the only place where you bring in someone else who was fired from a previous job for doing a poor job performance. As opposed to trying to find someone else who's really sort of knocking it out of the park or bringing in some fresh blood. If you look at some of the writing credits on some of the soaps now, you may see folks who've been on on other soaps long in the past. And that's not to say that that's a bad thing necessarily. I'm all for consistency. I'm all for bringing in people who who know what's going on with the soap. I would rather have someone who's been there for, say, 30 years and knows the history of the characters than to bring in a whole group of people who have no idea what's going on with someone or someone who doesn't care about what you see in the past and says, you know what? I'm not going to listen to what the histories of the characters are. I'm going to do what my own vision is for what these characters should be doing. And of course, fans revolt for that. I don't know if Richard's idea of not being afraid to jump ahead a day or feeling the, the need to, you know, stay in the same day for a, a whole period of time. I don't know if that is necessarily something that would make a difference. I think that, Soaps need to maybe stop being afraid of being a soap. Something that sort of offended me, but at the same time was a nod of acceptance. It was when ABC's uh, president said that revenge made soaps cool again, as though you know, it was a bad thing to be a soap in the past. That we've we've suddenly gotten to a point now where there's a primetime shows that are cool, and maybe that will sort of trickle-down economic into uh, into the daytime soaps to make them cool again. And I think that it it's nice to say that, that maybe that soaps are cool to encourage people to want to check out the other soaps, but at the same time, I think that that also is sort of a backhanded compliment of saying, well, soaps weren't cool and haven't been cool for the you past 70 years.
0: I agree with him 100%. Revenge is a cool soap. And you know what? It's exactly what daytime needs. It's smart, it's complex, it's complicated, it has deep characters. You know, I, I was watching, it was interesting because I, I never had done this before, at least I don't remember ever doing it before, but when I was watching Sunny and Kate's Wedding, which was, you know, fantastic soap by soap definitions, and as I was watching it, I couldn't help thinking in the back of my head, if you did this exact same scenario in primetime, it would be laughed off the screen. Because it's accept all the things that were happening at that wedding were acceptable by soap terms, because that's what we, you know, that's what the modern soap has become. But they would never, never be accepted on prime time. It's just, it, unless it was a sitcom. Because, it, and, and that's the thing is when you look at revenge, you know, revenge is, its version of over the top is, uh, is a little bit of campy dialogue but its plots are intelligent, well thought out, well plotted. And that's not to say that General Hospital's not, but it's a completely different style of storytelling. And I would love to see it. it Revenge sort of reminds me of The Edge of Night, in that The Edge of Night had complex you know, stories that, 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 that involved the criminal justice system and that were told on sort of a slightly more, realistic basis than what you see on modern soaps when it comes to, to the criminal justice system. Uh, frankly, I wish that soaps would get out, would stop making everything a trial. You know, how many, how many stories do we have on The Young and the Restless right now that revolve around trials um, or crimes or whatever. You know, let's get back to the the heart of the matter, which is what Bold and the Beautiful does so well and I'm so happy to see that it's resisted that trend, uh, over the last few years. But I really would like to see, you know, whether it's a Grey's anatomy or a revenge or a scandal, or these are all soaps and they're very smartly plotted. And I'd love to see some of that kind of character development and storyline development and brains being put into soap storyline.
1: Our next question is a question that is was written in for me, and it says, Dan, Richard has called you Pollyanna for some of your sunny views on soaps. Why do you seem to be the only person in the online soap media who isn't critical of soaps? It's an interesting a question. <laughs> uh, it's an interesting question. I guess uh, for the person who submitted that for several years, I guess five maybe six, seven years. I wrote a Two Scoops column. It's an opinion column on SoapCentral.com for all my children. And I was quite free with my opinions and my critiques of the show. Uh, I know that there is this maybe perception that I like to look on the positive side of things. And I don't think that's a bad thing, uh, particularly when you're on the internet. I've always had concerns that If you want to be negative and somebody from the network is Googling and searching and looking at message boards or Twitter feeds to see what people think about shows, and all they see is this soap sucks, this couple sucks, this actor sucks, they're going to at the end of the day go, well, gee, maybe nobody really likes these shows anyway, so we have no reason to want to keep these shows around, and they cancel them. There's nothing wrong with being critical of a soap, but if you're going to do so, you have to... Offer something constructive, and that's one of the the things that we try to do on the SoapCentral.com message boards is we don't tell anybody that they have to have a certain opinion. We don't tell them that they have to like a certain character or a certain soap couple. What we do want them to say is instead of posting a message says, I hate so-and-so, so-and-so sucks, that doesn't really advance any conversation. That doesn't really generate any sort of response other than someone else to come back and say, well, you're an idiot for saying that. And then you get into a spiral downgrade of, of just back and forth nonsense. What we, I think is important is if you're going to say that something isn't good, offer an opinion of what can be done to fix it. Explain why it is that you don't think that it's great and, and try to be part of the solution rather than just being a negative cycle. And that's why the internet gets so much of a bum, bum rap because there is that instant ability to just complain, 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 be anonymous and not really do any good by that. And that leads into a a question that I had pulled out beforehand was uh, about rival fan bases, and particularly those of different couples, and whether or not they hurt or harm soaps. And Richard, it's a question for you. I'll set it up on my side, and I think that it's a good thing and a bad thing that there are people who are passionate enough to care about couples one way or another. But this goes back into my my thought for the last question, is that if you're just going to be nasty and start hurling insults at other people because they like a particular character without really having any sort of justification, it doesn't do anybody any good. And in fact, it just brings down the whole genre by saying that, oh, there's those crazy soap fans again.
0: I agree, for the most part, um, on both counts. I think, I think, um, I think there's a very fine line between being witty or snarky in your sort of um, critique of something and being nasty. Um, I don't have a lot of tolerance for people who are flat out nasty. Um, I one thing I will not tolerate, and I have blocked people for. I mean, I give them warning, but then I'll block them. I will not tolerate people sending nasty messages, and mostly we're talking tweets because that's the, the forum that I deal the most in, but I won't tolerate them sending nasty tweets to actors, writers, producers, things like that. I, I just, I will not tolerate it. If you want to send them criticism, that's one thing, but if you want to send a message to, you know, a, the portrayer of an actor that you, or the portrayer of a character that you don't like saying that they suck, I'm not, I, I just, you know, I don't, I don't tolerate that. I, uh, but I, I think that there's a, I think there's a really fine line there, and I think it's important. As for the fan base wars, I think you're right. They're good and they're bad. I mean, on the one hand, they're very, very, very passionate about their couple. Uh, it also can be kind of a really narrow-minded – I have an audience here who is making – Bizarre gesticulations at me at the moment. <laughs> uh, I, I thought they were my supporters, but they're not. Uh, I, I think, you know, when you look at the particular fan bases, um, and you know, we all know who we're talking about. We're talking about Jay San and Liaison. We're talking about Shek and Sick. We're talking about, you know, E-Jammy, uh, and, and, and Safe. I mean, these are the most vocal fan bases out there. They are obviously a great thing because it says, there are, to me, there is no better soap storyline than one that has, um two sides of, 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 of a triangle excited and, you know, each rooting for their, for their favorite and going out there and, and showing their support. But when all they're doing is attacking each other, you know, there, there's just no point to that. Everybody knows how you feel. You don't need to get nasty. You know, you can't, if you have nothing, like you said, if you have nothing, you know, it's kind of like the old saying, if you have nothing nice to say, you know, don't say anything at all. As far as the whole thing about, you know, well, there go the crazy soap fans again. Honestly, I don't know that I put much stock in that because I don't think anybody outside of the soap universe really cares or notices. You know, I don't think, I don't think the everyday man, I don't think my my friend Gary, who doesn't watch soap operas, knows anything about Jason Sam or Jason Liz and doesn't care that the crazy soap fans are going at each other. Um... So I don't know that it does any particular harm outside of the soap universe, but I think it brings a real negativity to the soap universe that that we who thrive in it don't necessarily need.
1: A question submitted by a fan says, you can go to dozens of websites, including soapcentral.com, and read so-called spoilers and scoops. Do you think the proliferation of spoilers poses a danger to soap security? I have to say... that it does, but I think that it can be done responsibly. Uh, You know, very rarely do you hear anyone admit to mistakes. And I will do that. Many moons ago, it seems now, somewhere in the past 17 years of running SoapCentral.com, I was tipped off to a storyline that involved revealing that Jessica on One Life to Live wasn't really who, who everyone thought that there was a baby swap and that she wasn't going to be biologically a Buchanan. And I re- was very excited to get this and was, wasn't was sure that the person was telling the truth. When I found out that it was accurate, I went, ran right to the computer and posted it. And I have to tell you that of all the things over the 17 years that I may have done differently, that's probably the only thing that I would have done differently. I think that Revealing too much not only takes away the suspense and it takes away the surprise, but it does a disservice to all of the folks who have worked so hard to come up with stories that they want to keep interesting for fans. And I wrestle with what to put up on the scoop section at Subcentral.com, and uh, I know that there are other sites, uh, there are other places on the internet, even on Twitter, where you can pretty much get... All of the information ahead of time, things that are sent out by the networks to various media outlets, and somehow someone gets their hands on them and they do the opposite of what they're requested, which is to use them only for editorial purposes or for maybe writing recaps, and somehow they get out to everyone and, and they're posted. And I try that I'm, – I'm fully aware that the scoop section are some of the most popular sections on our entire site and I wrestle with how much to give away. And that's why in putting some of the stuff up that we have when we, we get information, I think that it's important to tease to, it, it's sort of like, Oh God, I'm comparing soap operas to stripper poles, but it's all about, Oh gosh, here comes my Joe Biden laugh. Uh, it's all about. Making the person want to come back, to want to know more, To and I'm shimmying in my chair here, and I'm so glad that there's there's no video of this, but to make people want to tune into the show. If you tell someone X dies on the show because they jumped in front of a train, you don't need to see it. You may want to tune in to see, oh, gee, I wonder why they jumped in front of the train. I wonder how it happened that they got in front of the the train. However... You know, there's something to be said for more of a of a tease by saying someone meets with a tragic demise. Well then you don't know who it is and maybe you want to tune in and see that. And I'm fully aware that perhaps we put out information and maybe a little bit too much information that that maybe the networks or maybe the shows wouldn't want out there. But I make a conscious effort to review everything that is put out on soapcentral.com and even on our our Twitter and Facebook feeds to make sure that the, the joy of being able to watch the show and being able to be surprised and being able to get to that end of the episode where you're slowly creeping towards the television because you can't believe what's about to happen, I think it's important to preserve that. But at the same time, realizing that fans want information and you have to give them some of it without going over the top. And I, I'm sure that uh, Richard has his own thoughts on Internet spoilers. So it's your two minutes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. This is a tough one. Um, Here's the thing. I take a different position for two reasons. First of all, I think spoilers are are really kind of nightmarish um, because the show really, they don't want that stuff out there. And I, because of the fact that, We actually get our information directly from the show. We get our recaps from the show. We get our teasers from the show. We set up interviews with the show. We have to play by a certain set of rules. We can't just put anything up on on the web or in the magazine that we want. We have to play by a certain set of rules, and if we don't, then we get punished. And there are a lot of sites out there that don't have to play by those same rules, and so they – One of the things that I find very lacking in a lot of websites out there that deal with soaps, whether they're professionally done websites or they're just somebody's hobby, is a real lack of professionalism. They say things, whether it's on their Twitter feed or on their actual pages, that are so unprofessional to me. And at the same time, they want to be treated as if they are professionals. I have real issues with that. But... The other thing is I think it's important that people know there are a lot of bad spoilers out there. Um, I'm actually planning on doing a show on our podcast at the beginning of November very specifically calling out some of these because um, there are some really bad spoilers out there right now about a very big plot twist that's coming up, and it's everywhere, and it's wrong. It's flat out no and it's being posted on spoiler sites as fact. They're being told, oh, the show told us this. And it's wrong. And and I get wildly amused by that because what's happened is, and this is particularly true where General Hospital is concerned, General Hospital, more than any other show, has really cracked down on the information that they put out. They um, they, they, they are putting out much vaguer recaps. They're putting out much vaguer teasers. Vaguer teasers. And so what ends up happening is, these, these people who have sort of made their name on spoilers or these Twitter feeds that, you know, they basically exist for no other reason than to, to put out spoilers. In a lot of cases, what they're doing is they're making crap up or they're going with their best educated guess of what's going to happen. And they're doing it, but they're not doing it as here's what we think is going to happen. They're doing it as here's a spoiler, this is a fact, this is going to happen. And it's totally not true. It's totally, completely wrong. And I've seen it over and over and over again, whether it was uh, Johnny being killed on General Hospital, which, as we all know, turned out not to be true. Uh, whether there's one out right now about The Young and the Restless that I won't address completely because I, I work, I, I don't really deal with spoilers and I don't address them until after the fact. But there is a huge one out right now for The Young and the Restless that is completely and totally false. But they're posted out there as fact, and and like I said, it's it's because of this weird pressure that these people feel. They're getting less information, and so they have to make it up. Um, I, like I said, I, it is kind of a big issue for me. I don't allow people to post spoilers on, like, whether it's our Facebook page or our Twitter feed. If they do, I remove them, um, A, because a lot of times they're wrong. But also, more importantly, I'm a big believer in not giving away the story. When we do a cover story um, uh, or or a preview story, we work very hard to do exactly what you were talking about. We work to okay, here's what we know is happening, and we want to not say this, this, and this, so we 're going to sort of tease it because really, soaps are all about you know the the joy of finding out what happens next. they 're all about giving you a reason to tune in the next day and if you don't abide by that if you don't if you don't you know if you 're just going to give everything away, then you know, why buy the milk if the cow is why buy the cow if the milk is free? Now that said, there is the argument that if you don't want spoilers, you can avoid them. You know, like you can avoid the sites that you know put out spoilers, or you can avoid reading things that you know where you know you're going to get spoilers. So it's you know it's a it's it sort of depends on how you feel about spoilers, I guess. Me, personally, I love nothing more than when a soap can catch me off guard. And as you know, working in this industry, it's increasingly hard to be caught off guard because we're always, we're always getting advanced information. But soaps still sometimes can do it because they, they make sure to keep things even from all of us. And when that happens, it reminds me of why I fell in love with soaps in the first place. It reminds me of the, just the, that moment where your jaw drops and you're like, holy crap, I did not see that coming. wow. Duke is a, Duke, what, what the heck is Duke doing in the clinic? You know, that kind mm-hmm. of moment where you're, you're just, you're just floored by what happened. And that is soaps at its very best. It's the same thing that we see on primetime a lot. You know, whether it's Vampire Diaries or Revenge, um they, they, they've done a really good job of bringing back the weekly cliffhanger. And, and that to me is what the genre is all about. I mean, emotions, romance, yes, that's, that's crucial. But the other thing is, Catching the audience off guard on occasion, that's huge to me.
1: Turning now to the economy, Richard, it is becoming increasingly more expensive to produce soap operas, and revenue is reportedly down by as much as 40 to 50 percent over the last decade. What are your thoughts or what are your plans on how to make soap operas more economically viable?
0: Easy. Um, So easy. First of all, the casts are so bloated. They need to recognize the fact that just because an actor... There is such a thing as bringing someone on for a short-term arc. And the problem that's developed over the years, because they used to do that, but the problem that's developed is an actor comes on for what is supposed to be a short arc. they, 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 They happen to connect with the audience, and so they sign them to a contract and keep them forever. The shows need to downsize drastically, all of them. There's not a single show on the air right now that doesn't need to cut costs uh, or to cut cast drastically i'd also say i'm a big fan of the half hour format you know i think i think it would not be a bad idea for shows to go for all of the shows to be a half hour and here's why we're an audience we're 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 a country that has an incredibly short attention span one of the wonders and joys of the bold and the beautiful is that it's 22 minutes you can always find 22 minutes to watch the show. You can all, oh, you know, it's, if you miss a few days, it's easy to catch up in those, in those small little increments that are required by a half hour show. If you go on vacation and you miss a week of general hospital, that's five hours to catch up with. That's a lot of time in this busy modern world to try and, you know, shove into your agenda. So I say cut the casts and Cut the, and, and cut the, cut the time slots, you know? Let's, let's, let's cut everything! Cut it all! You know? There are, there are, there are difficult decisions that have to be made, because of course when you cut any cast member, you're going to hear, you know, people are going to protest, no matter who it is. You could pick the most unpopular character on a soap, and they have fans, and those fans will protest when that character is cut. So, of course, there will be people who are unhappy, but in the long run, you have to be thinking about what's best for the show, what's best for the storytelling. You know, when you have these bloated casts, it's, characters disappear for ages because they don't have a, a story at the moment, or they can be in the middle of a great story. Look at, look at On General Hospital, Connie and Kate and Johnny and Sonny, great story, but we haven't seen it in days because there's all this other stuff going on. There's just too, if the canvas is too big, shrink it down.
1: I agree. I think that there are some ways to churn out some of the characters that aren't necessary. And, of course, that means some actors are going to leave. I also think that something that needs to be done would be to not lock actors into some of these old-time contracts that go all the way back to seemingly the beginning of soaps. Uh, If they could change the production schedule or do something more like telenovelas do or Port Charles tried to do when they did 13-week stories that had a defined beginning and end and characters and actors could come and go after those were over, I think that that would be a way to sort of invigorate and keep the canvas new. I also think that there needs to be a way to sort of monetize some of these soaps. We see some of the product placement that's gone on, and it's become so clumsy in 2010, 11 and 12 that it's really been going on where it's no longer just someone sitting down in a scene with a can of Coke, which would suffice in a movie. Movies pay big money uh, to show a soda machine or a vending machine of some sort or a billboard in the background that has a brand name on. And no one ever stops to say, look at that billboard for Pepsi. It is amazing. I mean, it's so cumbersome and so clumsy in the soaps. That I'm sure they could get even just a little bit of money just for having a character eat a bag of M&Ms without anybody ever having to mention it or just mentioning it really briefly in passing. Do you want uh, uh, some M&Ms? It doesn't have to be so uh, over the top that it becomes its own story and detracts from actually the storytelling. I also think that I'm calling it Supposition 8. I'm a supporter of it because I think All people who watch soaps should be identified. I don't believe that in 2012, moving into 2013, in a time where you have to show ID to get on a plane or to use a credit card, that you're going to tell me that you can't find a way to track out who's watching soaps. I know that there may be some sort of way that you'd have to give up a little bit of privacy to let people know what it is that you're watching. But I can't imagine that anybody would have a problem with that if it would mean that their favorite soap, their favorite program could stay on the air. The only possible side effect is maybe you don't want somebody knowing that you watch this honey boo-boo show. I have no idea. But I think that it's a small price to pay if it's some non-identifiable information to say, hey, on so-and-so day, this household watched General Hospital three times. This household watched Days of Our Lives. To get a more accurate count, because every time you hear about programs – Someone says, well, I watched that show. How are you saying that I'm the only one watching it? Or how is it that they come up with this number when no one that I know is a Nielsen family? You okay. know, there's, uh, there's even – before I let you jump in, there's even the, uh, the ability – the shows that are watched online do not count in the ratings. And the reason for that is because according to the antiquated rating system, if the advertisers – if the advertising content is radically different on the online version – it cannot be counted in the total viewers. So unless you have the same general breaks in the amount of content, they're not including online viewing for that reason in the overall ratings. The same way as the SoapNet ratings, when people were watching SoapNet, when it was really still on the air and and doing a whole bunch of stuff for most of the country, a million people could watch one of the soaps at night, but it wasn't counted in the daytime ratings because they were considered to be two totally different airings. And I think that okay. that Here's, is a huge problem.
0: Here is the problem with that. If, the problem is twofold. One, that is not just a daytime problem. That is a problem of all shows. And so if, if we're going to say that the soap audience is vastly underrated, we have to by the same token say, you know, Grey's Anatomy or Revenge or whatever because they're all measured by the same token. So, You know, you constantly hear people at Soap Fans saying, oh, there are, there are at least as many people watching this as there are, you know, Revenge or Grey's Anatomy or whatever. But it doesn't work that way. Because even if you assume that the Nielsen family household sampling, which is ridiculous, it's like, it's like, it's like one one millionth of a, you know, of the, of the country. But even if you assume that 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 sampling is wrong, it's not just wrong for soaps, it's wrong for everything. So, so, it, it wouldn't, make that huge a difference. And here's the other thing. You know, when all of these Save the Soaps campaigns were going on, you would hear people say, you know, there are 10 million people watching Soaps, even though, you know, the readings don't show that. And yet, where were those people? They weren't on the Facebook pages. They weren't signing the petitions. You know, no, no Facebook page got more than like 10,000 people. I... I do not believe that there are these vast untapped pools of soap opera watchers. I wish there were, but let's face it, in my daily life, I deal with, you know, a lot of people. I don't know many people who actually watch soaps. I do not believe that there's this vast, vast, you know, uncounted group of people who are out there. Do I, and again, those same people that are uncounted watching soaps, they would also be uncounted watching everything else. You can't say that the rating system is only broken for, you know, for daytime. It would have to be that the rating, do I think that the entire system needs an overhaul? God, yes. I think, I think Nielsen's are so antiquated and I don't understand how advertisers have allowed themselves to be hoodwinked into this ridiculously small sampling or, or the sweeps you know, the the idea of sweeps where advertisers are going to be charged for year-round based on very special, hyped-up programming that airs during these three specific periods. I I don't understand how advertisers who actually have all the power have allowed themselves to be sort of suckered into this, but but the argument that there are millions of, of soap fans that aren't being counted, I don't know that I really believe it, because... Where are they? They're not buying well, magazines. They're not subscribing to Twitter feeds. They're not, you know, where where are all of these supposed well, millions of people? I have people?
1: to I have to take issue with that. I don't know where it is that you're hanging out, but every time I go somewhere I run into people who are very excited to tell me that they watch soaps once they find out what it is that I do. So perhaps Richard, maybe you need to stop hanging around wherever it is that you've been hanging around. <laughs> Now we're almost at the end of our show but there are some questions that have come through. Uh one of the questions we're going to lump it in. We have a, maybe about a minute to discuss this each. Do you think that soaps have an obligation to tell storylines with social issues like days of our lives coming out? Uh of course I'm assuming it means all of the soaps. Uh I'll start and I'll say that I think that you know, all television has an obligation to put out uh, a message. Certainly the message of something like a Jersey Shore isn't the message that I would think people would want. But, you know, the issue that you get into is when uh, any program tells a story. If it leans one way or another, if it becomes too preachy, you'll have people on the opposite side of whatever that social issue is who will feel that you know The media is is too liberal or too conservative, and I think that that maybe does a disservice. If you're going to do something and do it, you have to do it educationally and allow people to sort of draw their own conclusions. Unless you're doing something like – like I mentioned at the top of the show when you're talking about a breast cancer or a substance abuse issue, there are people who have anecdotally who have decided to go and get uh, – Uh, mammograms or other tests because they saw a character that they related to on screen or even a real life person who had an issue. Uh, I remember uh, Katie Couric had undergone uh, a colonoscopy to draw attention to colon cancer after her uh, husband, I believe, passed away. So, I mean, there are certain things that the television can do responsibly, but again, you have to do it in such a way that it doesn't come across too preachy.
0: I don't believe anybody has, I don't believe any any TV show has an obligation to do uh, social, social issues. I think if it's something, soaps have one responsibility, really, and that is to entertain on a daily basis. If you are telling a story that is entertaining and can be, and happens to be a social issue at the same time, um, great. I mean, I think right now Days of Our Lives is doing a really nice job with, um, Peggy McKay and the, char- and, and the character of Caroline uh, dealing with Alzheimer's. Now, frankly, they did not come up with this story uh, to deal with a social issue. They came up with this story to deal with Peter Reckell's ex- exit. But at the same time, it's a really nice, powerful story. But I don't know that soaps are the best forum to be trying to do social issues. I mean, let's face it. Uh, the Bold and Beautiful is never, never harder to watch than when it's doing social issues. You know, whether it's the homeless or the Stephanie sits down with people who have aged out of the foster care system, it is not entertaining. Um, it, it, it's 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 a pamphlet come to life, and that is not why people tune into their soaps. So, no, I don't think there's an obligation. I think if it happens to, to coincide with a story you're telling, for example – if you're telling a story about an abused wife, and at the, end of that episode, at the end of those episodes you do a PSA, a separate PSA, I think that's much more helpful than having characters in the middle of the episode suddenly begin talking like PSAs.
1: We are almost at the end of the show, but we have a question that I guess will only require maybe 30 seconds before we do our closing statements. It's from someone who said there is currently a candidate for vice president. Paul Ryan, who happens to have the same name as a soap opera character. <laughs> name another past or present soap opera character that has a decidedly presidential name.
0: Oh, jeez. Spencer Truman. That just sounds like somebody who should be running for president. I mean, President Spencer Truman, I could totally hear that.
1: I can see so anyone with the last name Montgomery, uh, maybe Jackson Montgomery. <laughs> Jackson
0: uh, Montgomery, that's definitely president. You know,
1: then you, then you say Jack to bring them sort of, uh, make them more of the people. But yes, <laughs> right, Jackson <exactly>. Montgomery. <laughs> uh, so I will give you an opportunity to give uh, about a minute of a closing statement.
0: Well, you know, first of all, thank you for doing this. Um, I always have such a good time when I come on this show. I, I really uh, – I think people know that we genuinely enjoy <laughs> our conversations with each other. I, I think it's so important that soap fans tune in and watch. And, you know, I may not believe that there are millions of untapped soap fans out there, but that doesn't mean that I don't believe that we can get millions more. Every day when I live tweet soaps, and really these days I, I live tweet, you know, Young and the Restless, uh, and the General Hospital, and sometimes the others as well. But every day when I live tweet, and this goes back to what we were talking about, spoilers, I do two things. My goal is not to take the place of people watching the shows. My goal is twofold one to have people who are watching live join us join the conversation and know that they want to be there every day to watch the show with us cuz we're having that much fun it's a social event but more importantly for people and i hear from people all the time who aren't able to join us but who are like you know they're at work or they're in school and you know maybe they shouldn't be reading their twitter feeds while they're at work or school but they're there and my goal is for them to enjoy that and have a great time and to want to go home and watch the episode that they weren't able to watch. That's really, really important to me. So I think the more that we make it a fun experience and we make it a, a global experience and sort of a, you know, we're all in this together, it's, it's like that old commercial for Pantene, which I think had Hunter Tylo in it. You know, you tell two friends and they tell two friends and so on. And And I see this more and more where people are like, oh, my God, You have to watch General Hospital. It's so good right now. And you have to live tweet with Richard from Soaps In Depth. It's so much fun. That's our goal, is to
1: get
0: people excited uh, and bring them back.
1: And that is, unfortunately, that is where we're going to have to end. I always, as you said, I always have a lot of fun when you come on the show, and I look forward to it. And I'm so glad that you were able to be here for our first Soap Debate. I hope that people understand that this was meant to be somewhat tongue-in-cheek. I'm sure they got that through the hour, that we don't really think that what's going on in the world of soaps is necessarily a a world crisis. So Richard, thank you so much for dropping by and being part of the first ever soap debate. Thanks for having me and everybody out there, no matter what show is your favorite or whether you consider yourself to be a member of the ABC, CBS or NBC soap party, Please remember to exercise your right to choose the programming that you want to see. Tune in support your favorite daytime soaps and let everybody know why you love them and why they should tune in. If you missed any part of today's debate, you'll be able to listen to it in our archives at SoapCentral.com slash radio. In fact, every episode of Soap Central Live that we've ever aired is in the show library for on-demand listening. You can listen to it on your mobile phone, a tablet, computer, Any computer, you can even listen to it and stream it on your home computer while you're doing chores around the house. Next week, we're going to have Peggy McKay, who Richard mentioned. She'll be here on the show to talk about her Days of Our Lives storyline. And there's also something new. It's 267-341-SOAP, 267-341-7627. It's a 24-hour, seven-day-a-week feedback line that you can call and leave your feedback or your questions and it may pop up on a future edition of soap central live until then we'll be here every friday at 6 p.m eastern 3 p.m pacific for more of soap central live have a great weekend everybody and we'll see you then